Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. No co-host this week, just me, but there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Well, as you'd expect, the first thing I have to talk about is the Super NT, the FPGA-based Super Nintendo designed by Kevtrist and sold by Analog. So, first, right off the bat, the number one thing that I see about it, well, I mean, the number one thing that I see is it's designed by Kevtrist, so it's probably going to work right, (laughs) Um, but I guess the number two thing is the price. I really think Analog did it right this time, and my only complaints with the NT Mini was that it used that aluminum shell, which, while it was really, really nice, just an absolute piece of art, if you will, that had to add a ton of cost, and it was bundled with something that many of us didn't want, which had to add some cost to it. Well, they've completely fixed that. So now it's a plastic shell. Um, it, there is nothing bundled with it that you wouldn't want, and it's really affordable at like 189 which, you know, yes, I, I know that's a lot of money, but, you know, you really have to take into account what it is that you're getting here because I really feel like that's actually a great deal. And even though I've already heard people complain about the price, um, even some of my friends, I don't think that complaint is warranted for what it is that you're getting. Um, but there's a few things about it. Um, the, it is confirmed that it works with all stock games, so I'm assuming that means Super FX as well. Um, it says it works with the Super Game Boy, which means it will work with the MSU audio from the SD to SNES, because the audio is transferred the same way as the Super Game Boy audio. So at least you get that digitized through the HDMI port as well. Um, and it does work with the SD to SNES because it was that was already tested. Um, no word on 4X or 5X scaling for 1080p. I would hope that that's implemented because that's something Kevtris already did for the NT Mini, but I guess we'll find out soon enough in the future. Um, and it is HDMI only, so that means no RGB monitor use with it. But overall, I mean, it just seems awesome. I already pre-ordered one, uh, and I hope to have Kevtris on very soon to talk about it. GameTech has Ultra HDMIs up for pre-order. These are the do-it-yourself kits, um, and this is a pre-order. So once all the orders goes in, he places the order with Marshall and then eventually gets them. So uh, anybody that was looking to do this yourself, or if you have a trusted modder, um, definitely pick one of these up and uh, get it whenever it comes in. Darksoft is almost done testing his Neo Geo ROM cart, and it looks like they did run into a minor snag. I guess when the cart is in uh, multi-game mode, it'll crash systems with a Unibios in there. So it seems like a pretty easy hurdle to get over, as well as if the cart is in single-game mode, everything works fine. So hopefully this is the last bump in the road until he sends it out for uh, more extensive testing, and uh, hopefully when that happens, I'll be able to buy one and do a full review for everybody. Citrus 3000 PSI has posted some guides up on his website that shows how to get C-Sync on a PS2 
over the Luma connector with uh, no sync on green needed. So this is a mod that I definitely, uh, definitely want to try out. I've been waiting to work with the iFix Retro guys to do a couple of these to see what we could find. I just haven't had time to do that yet. But basically, um, you disable Luma and you disable sync on green, and on that Luma line is C-Sync. So now this immediately uh, removes any need for any sync stripper at all, and that also means that when the console switches over to 480p, then it immediately just, there is no uh, switching done. So if your RGB monitor accepts 480p, or if your processor does, then you don't have to worry about switching for sync on green inputs or using some kind of uh, signal processor for it, it just works. Also, because it's done on the Luma line, it leaves composite video intact, which I really like for multiple reasons. First, I mean, I could actually, in a system that has RGB, I could totally do without Luma, because I play in RGB, but I do test in composite video quite often, especially for all the different projects I'm in. So having that pigtail there uh, on those special cords that have the separate composite video out, um, that's absolutely awesome, both because you get composite video and because you can plug those light guns right into it. So, um, you know, there was a bit of confusion about, you know, do you need actually composite video for light guns or will sync work? Uh, but just having that composite video pigtail and doing this on the Luma line is just better for a million reasons. So I think some people misunderstood what I meant by that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to try this thing out and hopefully start messing with it on my PS2. Kind of a funny coincidence, both Leon K and Arthur, aka Naked Arthur, have posted guides on how to make RGB to 34-pin adapters um, for those Sony consumer-grade TVs that actually had RGB inputs that looked just like an IDE cable. Uh, and for any of the youngins, IDE cables used to be these long ribbon cables that you connected your hard drive to your computer. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, I've gotten so many emails about that in the past, and I always wanted to do a guide, but I don't ever want to post anything um, unless I've tested it personally, and I've never found one of those TVs, so maybe one day I'll stumble across one in the New York area. So this one will probably light up anybody that's been burned by the U.S. post office here, or I guess any post office anywhere. Um, a friend of mine sent me an article that said uh, one employee of the Greenpoint in Brooklyn post office was arrested for stealing parcels, computers, and stamps and stuff like that. And it just so happens that the, he was the guy that used to do my friend's route, I think. Uh, and I lost a package to him that had like 400 bucks worth of stuff in. And the way this guy was getting away with it is he would scan it as delivered, but because there was no signature required, he would just toss the packages somewhere. Um, so when you tried to claim any of the insurance on it, they basically said, no, it was delivered, it's not our problem. So, uh, and there was tons of, of that reported, and I guess they finally, I mean, that was well over two years ago, um, and that was finally, uh, like, caught and solved and stuff. So, um, the kind of thing really pisses me off, because I've lost so much money with post office shipping in the past couple of years, and, you know, it's a trade-off. Uh, in the U.S., for a lot of things, UPS is a little more expensive, but I've never had a problem getting a refund when they break something. And you know, the post office is generally pretty cheap, but I could never get a refund. So it sucks, and it pisses me off. And that had um, a Japanese Super Famicom Mini, uh, an Ultra HDMI kit, and like three or four other things in that box that I shipped to them, uh, all lost forever. So and who, who knows what that guy did with it? Probably went up on eBay or thrown out because he thought he didn't know what the Ultra HDMI was. 
I just figured I'd share that with everybody because uh, that pissed me off a lot. Winter orders for the OSSC are still live, so if you order an open source scan converter now, you should receive it by the end of this year, which is, you know, pretty close, all things considered. So I love that they switched to a pre-order format, so that way there's no waiting for a window when it's open. You just place your order, and it arrives when it arrives. So I got my new one. I freaking love it. It's exactly as I hoped it would be. Uh, so if anybody was waiting on one, definitely pre-order. I've gotten a ton of emails from people all telling me about a YouTube channel called Game Hut. And I finally had a chance to look through it, and the guy has posted a lot of really great stuff. I guess he's a former developer, and he's worked on different projects, so I definitely did want to just share that uh, YouTube channel with everybody, because I think maybe uh, it would kind of fall under the same vein, so people might be interested. And his channel's grown massively over the past couple weeks, so it did actually make me a little jealous, but the guy deserves it. Great videos, great content. Kotaku just reviewed the At Games Genesis HD, uh, and their review is exactly what you would expect a Kotaku review to be like. Their side-by-side -side comparison is a picture of the consoles next to each other and other consoles. It's uh, all this great journalism that I like to see, like when things feel good in the hand. But uh, there's no video side-by-side -side comparisons, there's no audio comparisons. All they basically say is that they don't like the menu at all, um, and if you like the games that it comes with, then it's not too terrible. So uh, it's not out yet, otherwise I'd probably get one for review as well, but I have very low expectations. Vertex Open Source Neo Geo Adapter is now available for sale on Japan Game Online for 120 euro, or yeah, 120 euro and about 140 dollars. So I guess Vertex designed this a couple years ago and just put it up open source, uh, and somebody finally made it available. Um, I wish things like this were a lot cheaper, but that's kind of par for the course for anything Neo Geo related. There's been a bunch of reports of super guns blowing out G-SCART switches. Uh, most notably ones from Windy City Gaming, but I've heard of a few others as well. Um, and I guess this is a problem with a lot of super guns, is that they're actually built wrong. So the, the RGBS lines are outputting more voltage than they should be. And when going into an arcade monitor, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where as long as you have a scope, you could kind of adjust everything as necessary. But a lot of people slap these things together and give you a SCART cable and say, here, go, um, without actually putting any of this stuff on a scope. So this is just another very hard lesson learned for those guys about how to make sure your stuff is built properly, buy from reputable people, and it also is a warning that sometimes the reputable people don't always kind of do the right work on their stuff. Uh, I know people hate hearing that, but it's the truth. Uh, and unfortunately, you can't tell everybody to go buy a scope and test it, because it's not like a multimeter. It's a lot more complicated and way more expensive. So um, I guess maybe start a thread somewhere and see which ones people have tested that are actually built right and don't have any of these issues. Badass Consoles just tweeted pictures of the GameCube X digital connector, and it looks like the prototypes came in and are a perfect fit. So uh, I guess it's moving along obviously way slower than he expected, but it looks like we're actually going to have a real product, you know, sometime. <laughs> a Kickstarter just went live for something called the Replicade Mini Centipede. So it's a 12-inch tall um, mini arcade machine that plays Centipede. And it's pretty expensive, but it seems like a fun toy. 
So, you know, I never really know how to feel about these products. On the one hand, if I had a ton of extra space and, a, you know, infinite money, I'd love all these toys. But on the other hand, I could think of a million other things I'd want to spend 90 bucks on. So, uh, link's in the description, and I'll leave that one up to you guys. Crix just uploaded a new version of the Mega Everdrive X7's firmware. This would include some bug fixes, as well as the latest version of Necronom 5's FM sound core. So if you own an X7, no reason not to update. It's free and, you know, more features. And lastly, Pixelmod Canada just sent me a picture of the latest prototype Game Gear controller board. So this one allows you to plug a Genesis controller into a Game Gear, and the start button is actually mapped properly, so you don't have to worry about hacking up a controller or do anything too crazy. This one's also going to be supporting two players, so if you have a Master System game that you want to play on it, especially Game Gears with the TV outs, which is this is really kind of what it's meant for, um, now you'll actually have the option to do it. And hopefully this one won't get stolen by an overzealous college student that likes to put things on sale that aren't his. Before we get into the Q&As, I just want to send a shout out to the whole crew behind the Retro World Expo. I had an absolute blast last weekend. I went on both days and met a ton of people, a uh, ton of new people, a ton of uh, people I'd met before that I enjoyed seeing again. Uh, I think the guys did an amazing job putting it together. And Wes from Second Opinion Games and I did a panel that I thought went really well too. And I even got to sell the RGB modded TV to somebody who seemed like they really wanted one. So I consider the whole thing a huge win and a big thanks to the whole crew and links down below to all of their stuff just because uh, you know awesome people put that together now onto the Q&A's Kevin Black posted in regards to the GameCube compatibility stuff he said using component with any GameCube NTSC or PAL will get you 480p if the software supports it most US region games do have progressive scan options, whereas literally zero PAL games have progressive scan unless you force it via Swiss. The benefit of the PAL GameCube is that you could get RGB out of it just by buying a cable, so it's excellent for 480i GameCube games or 240p with a Game Boy player. So that is uh, exactly what I thought. I just had almost zero experience with PAL games. I did use PAL GameCubes with NTSC stuff on it, uh, with the component cables and all that, so uh, thank you very much for clarifying, I really appreciate that. Next, Time Waster Digital posted in regards to people who use glue in their mods, so I just wanted to make sure I completely clarified something again. Um, when used in the right way, I love hot glue, and I'll show you a picture of a mod that I just did to my own console. Um, and yes, it's ugly as sin, but this is exactly the purpose of hot glue. I wanted to add switches to toggle the low-pass filter and TTL sync on my SNES. So rather than drill holes or try to use like uh, switches with screws that might leave a mark, I just filled it with hot glue, and it's absolutely perfect. Yes, it absolutely will break apart once it eventually dries off. Yes, I will need to re-glue it, or I might need to someday take it out. But that's the entire point. So with this thing, you know, if I need to put it back to stock, I could just use the Voltar trick and take a paper towel with uh, isopropyl, kind of wiggle it in there, and it'll pop right off. If it pops off on its own, I don't care. This is a, I just wanted a non-damaging mod to add these switches, probably temporarily. So that's absolutely perfect. Another good example, uh, which Time Waster Digital did actually mention, is tacking down wires, but not on the solder joints. 
So the most, the best example I can give is for people that need to ship consoles. Um, depending on the way the wires are run, there's different types of glue. Not hot glue always, but um, like all those guys that do those amazing PS2 mod chip mods, all those wires stay in place from like a glue-like substance. But once again, as you can see the picture that I'm using, there's no globs of hot glue on solder joints. It's just used for tacking stuff down. So just for the millionth time, when you hear any of us make fun of people who use glue, it's not for those reasons. It's people that they have cold solder joints, so they put a huge glob of glue on it because they think that's going to hold it in place when, you know, it's obviously not the case. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that one. Next, Pablo Romero had a great suggestion in regards to me taking down the Trusted Modder page. Uh, and once again, for anybody that doesn't know that, um, I had a page where people that I knew and have worked with for a long time, I put links to their stores just as a friendly, like, hey, this is people I trust. But what I really very quickly realized was that is a backhanded slap in the face to every amazing modder out there, and there's lots. Because, you know, it's almost like saying, if you're not friends with me, you're not good enough, which is clearly bullshit. So I took that page down right away. I, I didn't mean it in a bad way. But um, one of Pablo's suggestions was I could replace the trusted modders page with a good mod versus bad mod page, a generic section with examples of things to look for while buying a modded system. So uh, I'll, he said no names, just examples, but I will very happily use my pictures of bad mods I've done as examples just so no one feels I'm singling them out. I don't mind making fun of myself at all, so that's totally fine. Um, and it's also nice to know the consequences of these bad practices. Life expectancy, brightness, noise, and everything else. Uh, I think that's a great suggestion, and I will get to that very soon, because that's a way of, uh, what's that old saying? Uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a night. Teach a man a fish, he eats forever. Teach a man two fish, he eats forever. I probably screwed that one up, but... Uh, yeah, it's a great suggestion because that covers everybody past, present, and future. As long as the mod work is done well and you have examples to compare it to, you'll know who's a good modder or not. So thanks, Pablo. That was awesome. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Sorry it was a little shorter than it's been the past few weeks, but I, a lot of stuff going on, a bunch of announcements coming up, some good, some bad, but I really just had no time left to grab a co-host. But hopefully I'll be back with one next week. Uh, and I really did like that format a little bit better, so obviously post your thoughts down below, but it seemed like the majority definitely liked having a co-host. So, awesome. Um, also, if you didn't see, I did an interview with Ace the other day, um, that's that guy that's behind all of those awesome posts about the Genesis model revisions and stuff, so honestly, if you're even slightly interested in any of the technical aspects of the Genesis, I strongly recommend watching that, or, or listening to that interview, because it was just great stuff, and I really hope to have him back on again sometime. So, as always, comments and criticism, please post down below, I read them all. Thanks so much for watching, thanks so much to the Patreons, and I'll see you guys next week.